Green Eggs and Horror content warning. Stories may contain adult language, adult situations, violence, and awesome. If you can't handle any of these things I just listed, I'd turn it off now. I'm Pete Nixon, and this is Green Eggs and Horror. Today's story is by Simon M. Rook, and it's about the dangers of giving in to your impulses. Before we start the story today, let me give you a few words of advice. Don't bite your fingernails, bring a knife, and don't, for the love of all that is holy, don't get bit. And now, our story. Try it. You'll like it. Dreadful Hunches by Simon M. Rook Read by Henry Gaudet I had to do it. It was a feeling, a hunch. It compelled me. I had to do it. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but it was something powerful and doing it would let me stop feeling conflicted all the time. But not yet. No, I was being torn apart every day trying to sort it out. I tried to trust my feelings. That's what they tell you. Go with your gut. Well, it was a feeling. And I tried to remain open, go with my gut, indulge my hunches. I had quite a few of them to tell the truth. One hunch told me to rob a bank. Someone there would be a hero. Someone would stand up after I told them to lay down and that would be it. He'd be gone and I'd have done it. Another hunch compelled me to follow a man home from work and slit his throat before he walked up the stairs. A third hunch told me to wait and hide and see who eventually rang my doorbell. I hadn't used my front door in weeks. Always through the backyard, that's how they do it in the movies. Eventually, someone would dare to ring the bell. This dastardly hunch told me that I would open it. All creaking wood and loose brass and seize whoever stood there. My hunches were dreadful things. They followed me everywhere, and they all wanted me to do something big and awful. I was certain giving in to one of them would cure me of all of them but I had to be sure I would pick the right one. What if the bank guard shot me? What if the man had a knife? What if the police rang the bell? I had to be certain which was the right hunch. Please don't misunderstand me. 
I knew all these things were wrong. All my hunches were crooked, dire, revolting things. But they compelled me, and if I followed the right one, I was sure it would send the rest scattering away like mice. Like mice. Indeed, there was one, all short and twitchy and whispering to go into the trash at night and find tasty treats like names and addresses and security system pins. Oh, how I would scurry right past the lasers and into the master bedroom and tick-tock on the clock. My hunch and I would squeal as they screamed the life out of themselves. But what if they had a dog? My mouse hunch didn't like that, because dogs were loud and full of teeth. Oh, no, no, that would never do. Not that hunch. Then I saw another hunch, peering down at me from the ceiling fan. I knew what it was thinking. I must go big, go high, climb higher and higher, and then I would see what I couldn't see from down here. So off I went, and up I climbed and climbed to the top of a building. I exited the stairwell onto the roof, and it was brilliant. The wind, the stars, the magnificent view. And there, there I saw the perfect moment, way down below. But I was so far up. I couldn't catch up with him in time, and the moment would be gone. My tall hunch screamed for me to jump, to hurry, to seize the moment. But another hunch told me I should wait and see, and would see the perfect moment there on the ground, which I must walk back to. As I descended the fire escape, I could feel my hunches multiplying and scampering around me. There were so many of them, I didn't know what to do. I had so many choices. Now I was seeing the streets with the memory of the rooftop. I knew the alleys and dumpsters and terrible little dark patches of the street. And all these new little hunches screamed and clambered about here and there. The noise of them was almost maddening, and I screamed and shouted and flung arguments against them. And then I ran and I outran all of them but the fastest. That hunch whispered that I was so fast that speed was the best thing to do it with. It told me to run until I saw someone alone and going slow and not paying attention. And I did. And the other hunches couldn't catch up with me and the one by my shoulder spurring me on was my only companion. There were not many people on that end of the street, at least not walking, but I saw so many lying down. They were lounging here and there and all quite lazily and slumped over and so messy to boot. Finally, I saw her. She was alone, the one I was looking for, and going so very slow. She even shuffled a bit on a broken shoe heel, and I knew I had the one. Faster my hunch spurred me, and I charged at her, 
I didn't have a knife. I thought about it too late. So I just grabbed her and tried to wrestle the life from her. She was stronger than I expected, and a host of hunches caught up with me and shouted to run or maim her or cower back into an alleyway and escape the fast hunch by hiding. But I fought and fought, and she was slippery and angry and so very quiet. She moaned a bit, though I wasn't covering her mouth. And then I wished I had, because she bit me on the arm. It was a hardened bite and tore my skin, and I ran so fast, even the fast hunch couldn't keep up with me. I ran home and ran in, through the back like the movies, and slammed the door against my hunches. I wrapped my arm, and it bled and seeped for days. My hunches were quieter. But the silent girl rang so loud in my memory. I couldn't forget her, with her shambling, broken shoe-heel walk, with her dirty nails and the smile that peeled too high on her cheek. I couldn't forget the color of her eye, so hazy and red, or the deep, ghastly socket that used to keep her other one thought about my skin that must still be in her teeth, and a toothy hunch came to me, and whispered to gnash my own like she had done. I chewed and chewed, and I think the hunch must have gotten impatient, because another one told me to bite my nails a bit, to help me get the gnashing right. And as I thought and nibbled and chewed and thought, I realized all my hunches really were gone, all except for one. It was the tiniest hunch, and it was rather sad and hungry-looking, and of course it was, for it told me I should have a munch. This after my fingernails were bit down to the bone, and the bone to the joint, and all the joints down to the wrist. This after my windows were broken in, and the gunshot sounded in the night. This just before I fell through the shattered windows and into the street, where I shambled along with the other ghouls with munching hunches. All of us prowling, growling, missing limbs and grinning bloody teeth, moving along in dreadful bunches while our munching hunches devoured every other hunch we ever had. About the story. Simon is an American writer and Marine Corps veteran. He finds inspiration for his stories by visiting haunted cities and listening to the things people don't say. Green Eggs and Horror is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, U.S. license. That means you can give it away and share it however you like, but don't take credit for it or sell it. Davin Creed wrote and produced the intro music as well as the soundtrack for today's story. The outro music was written and produced by Heather Nixon. 
Thanks for listening. If you're interested in a physical copy or a digital copy, you can find Green Eggs and Horror on Amazon, Kindle, and on greenegsandhorror.com. <laughs>